What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week we're going to talk about the lovely topic of recognizing burnout, but then also a fun topic of media to inspire you. But before mm-hmm. we do that, Allie, how are your games this week? Uh, Well, you know, appropriately non-existent. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this was like the first week in what feels like months where literally not a single game happened. Um, the only thing that we did was Pathfinder on uh, yeah. Saturday, which was a lot of fun. There was... <laughs> Like I, I was shocked to find that when I came back, our uh, what what class was Ike? Barbarian. Was, uh, well, no, no, but what was he before? Uh, an investigator. He was an investigator, and then I come back after missing a week, and he's a barbarian. And I was like, "Excuse me." No, he's there like, yeah, it, was, I, it was a great setup I, I, I for that. Captain America super soldiered myself. I'm like, "What?" Yeah, he like foreshadowed it and everything. It was great that we didn't realize it until after he did it. Yeah, <laughs> he was all no, like, "That was really good." Yeah, if you guys will let me have like a couple days, because I think I know a way that can make us stronger. And all of us were like, "Oh, cool!" So he like got a new potion access or something like that, and so he's gonna make something. And then we come back. The place is half to like blown up, and he's just like on a table, and he's buff now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he specifically said it didn't make his character taller, like no. Captain America, <laughs> just buffer. So I just imagine this like like average height, just super buffed. <laughs> yeah, and like and so now he holds giant sized weapons, and uh, you know he's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like that that Pathfinder game was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was uh, mm-hmm. a lot of what could have gone like right did go pretty all right and then what could have gone wrong did go pretty wrong mm-hmm. it is the perfect it was the perfect level of rpging <laughs> <laughs> and then i got to do a bard off and it, i've i've ne- we've never fought a bard yet so that was fun i know like i i had i had a bard in the last campaign i never got to fight another bard i was a little sad about that yeah. <laughs> and i love how like wiz was describing it too it's like you, you hear victoria's like music as she's inspiring you guys and you hear just this really discordant like awful sound coming from the man who's in the large cape and i'm like oh man he's another bard i gotta take his ass down (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was a lot of fun there but um yeah personally i i didn't run any games uh my other groups didn't get together mostly between a mix of um people just needing a, a quiet break and just the timing not working out between just everything <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah that, that was that was me what about you i i kind of put up this like little uh little teaser on twitter recently of just like the last two sessions of my game have been batshit insane yes <laughs> tell me so, please <laughs> so as, as you know from the the last episode we did i'm running descent into avernus for the golden pals and i'm no spoilers i'm gonna keep to that uh and the the stuff that happened is not story related uh (laughs) and uh really when you get down to it it is the fault of my own (laughs) because it's stuff that i decided to add in to make it more exciting in combat and then golden pals gonna golden pals so one of the points so remember i've got four level 11s and two level sixes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So L, this book right now that we're at is meant for level six. So two of them are appropriately leveled. Four of them are vastly over leveled. Yeah. So I've been like, okay, I'm going to drop in a few things here and there that are harder. 
um and you know you know spice up the get some spicy combat you know yeah spicy combat so I uh they they had the I, I said in the last one they decided they were gonna do like a rock band thing to like try and get by and that worked except then I had uh Narzagog show up which is basically just this flaming nasty paladin undead thing on top of a nightmare yes <laughs> and it can see it can see if you're good it looks at you're like you're fucking good I'm gonna kill you yeah um so it went and fucked them up and then the other devils came up behind them and there was this whole big combat on a bridge protecting uh these innocents that were in the cart with them um uthal goes up and crits twice on the narzagog this thing's a cr13 okay it's (laughs) it's bigger it's better than the level 11s right yeah and he crits it twice then hurley comes up and just kills it and then Uthal goes, I'm going to mount the nightmare. No. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so then he proceeds over the course of three turns to spend his entire turns trying to be best buds with this nightmare. <laughs> Just the best. Okay. Long story short, he did it. Nice. I made, it, I made the rolls hard, and he did it. Very nice. Yep. <laughs> and uh, then they were, uh, after the fight, they were very fixated on learning the n- nightmare's name. Of course. And so they used a combination of spells, and I went, fine, if you're going to burn all these spell slots to learn this thing's name, it will say one sentence. And then I was like, all right, I just got to fuck with them. So I had this undead horse you know, on fire in this deep voice that I'm not going to do because it fucked up my throat. Basically just go, my name is Beans. <laughs> So now they have a nightmare named Beans. Then in last <laughs> night's session, uh, I rolled on a chart for a random Avernus encounter. They found a table full of food with faces on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and they were screaming. They, they were alive. And so they, I, and I thought, oh, they're just going to, you know, see this. And they're like, oh, that's fucking weird and nasty. Let's get out of here. No, instead, they were like, we need to find who did this? We don't know if these are real people or just a fucked up thing. We need to find who did this and fuck them up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so like, I was like, actually, it's kind of cool because they they even got the nightmare in on it. Like, sniff it out, sniff it out, beans. Oh my god, find find the devil. So they, I I quickly went through the creature codex because I was like, well, if I'm gonna use new creatures, I'm just gonna use the two giant books that I have. Mm-hmm. Um. And I found this devil who's basically a horseman. And not like a centaur. Like he is a full like he's all horse, but also standing on two legs and has arms and hands. Huh. Okay. <laughs> and I decided that I was gonna play this dude just obnoxious, like a internet troll. Like they find him and he's bragging to a bunch of imps and just go, and then I turned him into fucking food. It was the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um and they fought him, and then instead of killing him, they took him prisoner, and they got it. I was able to tie plot to it by explaining things about Avernus through him. Yeah. But then they were like, you know what? We uh we we have a knack for making taverns in places, and we're we already have plans to make one here in Avernus. We need a cook, so oh uh, we're gonna make an infernal contract with you to <laughs> not kill you, uh, and you're gonna be in service uh as a cook for us for nine years. Deal. <laughs> Because I even read, I even read in the book, it's like, devils will make a deal to not die. They are solely concerned about not dying 100%. in Avernus. And so I was like, okay, we got a uh, horse cook. 
Yeah. So uh, Horse Cook is here, and I can't wait to see what happens. That's my games. Oh my god. <laughs> but I, yes, I love hearing about your group. <laughs> it's just oh. It, it it brings me such happiness just hearing the I, hijinks that they get up to. <laughs> just the mass. Oh yeah. Also, I I like basically one turn downed Uthal off the nightmare. Ooh. Like he was talking trash to the devil, and so it's just like, all right. And he just turned and unleashed four attacks on him and did about fifty damage overall. <laughs> and so Uthal, I just had this image in my head of Uthal just flying off the nightmare unconscious, yeah. <laughs> just soaring through the air. Is great. <laughs> Um, but let's move on to some dungeon keeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first up, uh, we've got uh, a episode that we put up on Wednesday that was talking about the problem that D&D currently has with diversity. Yep. Um, it was an episode that we felt didn't fit into the normal main thing of a show because, you know, we're all like talking about horse cooks and <laughs> shit like that and giving yeah. out codes. And we wanted it to have a more serious uh, um, you know, tone to it without all the wacky hijinks. So we put that out on Wednesday, and uh, we'd really uh, like you to go listen to it to at least, if you don't know what's going on, at least get an idea of it and then go look into it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next piece of dungeon keeping is we're tossing around ideas to do a fundraiser soon. Yeah. Um, and we would like to know what organizations you all would like us to donate this money to if we did a fundraiser mm-hmm. um and so yeah if you have an organization that you like or that you've worked with or that you've given money to before and you really like the things that they do please let us know about it on twitter at difficulty class or uh, send us an email uh difficulty class at gmail.com and we're going to be looking into that soon and we'll uh, let you know fairly soon what's going on yeah um, now we're going to move over to some broadsheets. I wrote it as news in the show notes. I forgot about broadsheets because oh it's God. been so long. <laughs> the broadsheets. Yeah, there we go. Um, so first off, Idle Champions uh, raised $12,800 for Red Nose Day with the baby snowy owlbear familiar. Yay, such a good deal. It is such a good deal, and Red Nose Day is such a great uh, group of people to be donating money to, you know, uh, connecting things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they put out this familiar uh, uh, while we were doing our seasons of games, and uh, any uh, the purchasing that donated money towards Res- Red Nose Day. It was a fantastic uh, little fundraiser that they did there, just like they've been doing with the familiars in the past. I mm-hmm. love I love the, the, the way that they're doing that. It's such a good idea oh, yeah. to implement something in there with it and the baby snowy owlbear is really cute it's so cute it's super cute so, it's so damn cute. if that's not incentive enough uh beyond the charity concept yeah check it out it's really cute <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of idle champions uh they uh are currently working with max dunbar on new descent into avernus blood war skins for minsk Neris. I don't know how to say that name. Neris? 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 Neris, yeah. Uh, Shandi, uh, Delina, and uh, Cridle. Cridle. I suck at names. <laughs> Kirtle? I don't know. Uh, but these are out right now. They look fantastic. And if you go to uh, their twi- uh, either Max Dunbar's or Idol Champion's uh, Twitter account, you can see the concept art that Max Dunbar did for these uh, skins. And they look awesome. And the yes. way they came out in Idol Champions is so freaking cool. And I'm going to buy Minsk because it's so cool. And I love Minsk. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, no, they look they look really neat. And if you're any kind of fan of like Avernus or just like Mad Max kind of vibes, these these yeah. are skins are worth it. Oh man, it would have been so cool if they they had like a bar and it just looked like a, a comb of the Dew Warrior. Yes, from Fury the Road. <laughs> Shooting out fire and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, next piece of news: WizKids is releasing uh, a Manticore Paint Night Kit. Mm-hmm. So what this is is it has a large mini of a Manticore, unpainted but primed, uh, and it comes with everything in the box you need to paint and learn how to paint. Yeah. So it's got the paints, the brushes, all that good stuff. I don't know if it comes with a palette. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, I didn't um, even think about that. Yeah. Uh, so these are getting shipped out to, uh, to all, uh, retailers for WizKids stuff. Um, not just the LFGs. I'm assuming originally it was planned that this was going to be an LFG exclusive. Then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. However, they are still offering at some local game stores paint nights, uh, to go and learn how to paint with these. Uh, they said that they are only allowing it at stores that have a system set up for social distancing and all of that stuff. Me personally, still not going to go. God, no, not going to do it. At that point, I think it'd just be more fun to set up like a discord call or Skype or what have you, and just paint with your friends online. You know, that might be a fun thing to do for us. Yeah. I I would love to get that because like if they have everything set up, yeah, why not? Like, Edit that and then like <laughs> post it somewhere. Why not? Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see about that. Uh, but it does look really cool, and I love that they it's it's they're making an effort to teach people how to paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a because, huge hobby, and yeah. there's so much to it that people are like intimidated, rightfully so. I'll be honest about starting because there's so many the, starting. The first points. time I saw your hole of paints <laughs> and brushes and everything i was intimidated the shit out of it and now i have it yeah <laughs> like i'm yeah. like i ordered a wet palette to, uh this week oh i nice. didn't even know those were a thing tara was like why don't you get a wet palette I'm like what the hell is that and then i google I'm like this is amazing and I'm yeah like, <laughs> i mean like fun fact for people that like you know money's tight you can pretty much make a lot of this stuff you can have your own palette by just having like a piece of Tupperware, a parchment paper, and a wet paper towel underneath it. You can just have a piece of plastic that you have lying around. A yogurt lid cup. <laughs> a yogurt lid. Like, that That will serve as a nice palette. So, really, the, the mini paints, the most expensive part of it, probably the paints themselves. Yeah. And even so, or, uh, you don't need to do expensive paints. You can just do the cheap yeah. acrylics from Michaels. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, the... Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like that they've got this kit set up and yeah. ready to go because, like, I remember at one point wanting to get into mini painting and I, like, was asking somebody at our local game store, just like, hey, what paints do I get here? And, uh, is this the right brush? Uh, do I, what do I do with this mini? Uh, and uh, they kept saying, they kept word vomiting all of these things. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, depending... <laughs> depending on your friendly game store um it depends on how well they're gonna help you out oh, don't, don't get me wrong dude was totally friendly and everything yeah. he's throwing a lot of terms at me that yeah. i wasn't understanding <laughs> more often than not all the advice that i've gotten from uh the people that were painting there or was kind of either not helpful at all from my current situation where it's like i'm just starting out what do i do or it was not at all applicable to what i was asking <laughs> yeah and so this kind of kit where it just kind of sets you up and that's all you need. And then on top of that, you can do the exact same kit with someone else 
Mm-hmm. That is such a cool thing because, yeah. like, if Trevor and I both went out and got a Whiz Kid Mini, we would still be starting out with different things because we have different paints, we have different brushes, yep. we have different techniques. And so it's like we would still be on different levels of where we're starting. Whereas this kit is beautiful. Like if you have if you have a couple kids at home that want to get into painting, this would be an awesome gift for the two of them. Just paint mm-hmm. together. So Absolutely. All in all, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last piece of news. The survey for the Unearthed Arcana feats is up right now. Yes. You know what to do. Go fill out that stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell them that Piercer is awesome the way it is and it doesn't need to be changed to exclusively melee and ranged fighters need stuff too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, go fill that out and uh, and t- tell them what you think so we can get some good old feats in the next book. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Champion's Loot. You know the the drill. This is where you get a code. Go put it into Idle Champions on the just a vast amount of places that you can play Idle Champions now. Get a free gold chest. Take a screenshot and send it to us so we can see what you get. Getting them purples, getting them shinies, having a good time. Yeah. So the code is C A V E. T-U-N-G-C-O-I-L. Go put that in. Get some good stuff. Get get, get Load up your champions and kick Eva's butt. You know, cave tongue coil. You got this. Yeah. Cave tongue, <laughs> cave tongue coil. There, there, I, I think I mentioned it in one of the interludes, but like there was one of them that I was doing during the season of games that was like cow limo. <laughs> and on Reddit, someone linked an image of a limo like... As a, with a cow skin on it, and I just died. <laughs> it was, I was busted up laughing so hard with that. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's all the rigmarole and whatnot. We're gonna move on to our first topic, which Allie actually suggested. Yeah. Um, which is how to recognize burnout. Allie, you want to start us off on this one? Yeah. So I think how we should start this off is talking about what burnout is. Okay. Um, I mean, like... It's a really good video game where you crash stuff. I mean, yes, that aside. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Burnout is something that happens out of just being completely either overwhelmed or just overworking yourself. And, uh, like, typical, I guess you could say, like, symptoms would be just feeling tired and just drained. And, Mm -hmm. like... um, having headaches even is a constant thing um you know change in appetite or even your sleep habits like all these things are like i'm checking off boxes uh-huh, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> um they, they're all pretty much solid symptoms of burnout and um it's not just a thing you know where it's like doctors would say oh you should just rest <laughs> like you you can actually go about ways to help yourself from reaching that point but if you realize that you kind of check off all those boxes and as you get into a game that you're either running or playing in and you realize that these things kind of flare up almost, you might want to take a step back and think about is the game causing this or is the situation? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today was recognizing burnout and, and in a way about how to react to that once you realize that you've got it. Yes. 
I, I've definitely had this. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, is a, this is like the most recent time that we uh, I've talked about is the one where I actually noticed it. But I've had this in the past and just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, both Trevor, like Trevor just said, we've talked about this on the show before. Um, I've straight up put all my games on pause just for the sake of like, hey, guys, I'm literally having like a minor panic attack going into this game. Even though it's a hobby that I love and that mm-hmm. I enjoy having, I shouldn't I shouldn't be in this position to where I'm having panic attacks getting into this thing. And I, I remember telling that to my players and they're like, Hallie, you really just just take a take a take a break. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize it, but it was like the second week where I was just not DMing, not doing anything. I'm like yeah, I'm starting to feel better. I'm not having as high anxiety about random things that aren't even connected to D&D. Like just, will there be traffic going where I need to go? I would be panicking more about that than usual. Mm-hmm. And so like this burnout can attribute to more than just what's causing the burnout. <laughs> um, it's, it's having burnout is a very real thing. And yeah. if, especially emotional, like fatigue, can weigh you down. Uh, I'm the type of person to where if I get um, either angry or upset or sad about something, my body starts to react to that, like physically, as in like you start to get sick. <laughs> you mm-hmm. like a lot of people describe like, uh, well, like, yeah, when I get upset, my stomach gets upset. It's like, yeah, that happens to me, but like more so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm I don't know exactly why exactly that happens, but it's it's allowed me to kind of better recognize when something's really affecting me yeah and so things i I guess it's it's a long turnabout way of saying listen to your body especially Mm -hmm. if you notice you're not getting as much sleep as you usually do that's a that's like the first thing that i usually recognize (laughs) yeah Uh, i i i think another thing that would like if you don't have these physical reactions to it but if you're walking away from your games and it, your players are like super excited, super enthralled, all that stuff, and you are like, oh, that wasn't a good one. Oh, man, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm really tired. Like, it, like if you're getting down about your games while well, it seems like your players are having a good time. One, I mean, hey, your players are having a good time. But if you're having these emotional reactions to it, it might be a sign of burnout. You might need to take a break. Yeah. And I know, like, from my perspective, that's the last thing I want to do because I immediately start thinking, like, I'm letting all of these people down. Yeah. Like, because, like, that that is one of the shitty things about running a campaign in, uh, in any RPG where it's like, I've built all of this or I have all this stuff going on or, like, you know, you've put so much into it and you're the sole DM. You're the only person at the table that if you don't show up, the game doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Which is already a lot of stress to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of ways around that that you can combat that particular thing. And a lot of it involves communication with your mm-hmm. players. Like, yeah. good communication with your players. Because, I mean, like, I've mentioned it just the other episode where I said, like, I plan on taking these guys to level 20. I don't ever want to be into that position, especially because it terrifies me, where all of a sudden we stop playing and we can't get there. And like we just yeah. stopped mid game, like we're only level 17 and that's it. We're not playing this game anymore. I'm like, all these stories are done and all these stories have been cut off. They're, they haven't, they weren't finished. And I feel like 
a chunk of this thing I've been working on for like years all of a sudden got cut off. And so like that kind of guilt can really weigh you down. And it also combines with the concept of imposter syndrome. Like you were saying, like if you're walking away from something saying, ah, I didn't have fun with that is probably because of something I did. That's probably not it. Yeah. (laughs) Like imposter syndrome will, will hop in there and just bounce on you just like anxiety does and it will make you feel like as if you're not good enough when in reality you just really need to just take a break and take a moment to think about what's causing this anxiety i i talked about it in uh in last week's episode about uh how i had the golden pals finish the princes of the apocalypse game Mm -hmm. that uh that uh, you were in we were playing and the reason that game stopped was burnout i just didn't know it Mm -hmm. like I that was a time where I stopped all games. I didn't DM. I didn't play. I didn't do anything for a while. Um, yeah. And it was a combination of me putting way too high of expectations on me and my writing for a book. Uh, I was going through job transition and training and everything like that. I was going through a lot of uh, depression that I knew about, anxiety that I didn't know about, and then trying to run a game at the same time just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it and it sucked and it it, it it didn't feel good to have to be like, hey, I can't do this anymore. And I took a long break. Yeah. And but, um, I, I think I, I absolutely needed to do that. Yeah. It's taking a break is probably the best thing I can I can prescribe, so to speak, for burnout. Because <laughs> yeah. D&D is one of the beautiful things where it is for most people a hobby that a fun thing that you do with your friends um either once a week or like you know twice a month what have you and Mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about a hobby is that you can put it on pause it doesn't have to stop yeah you can just put it on pause and i guarantee you your players will be very excited for when you're ready to come back Mm -hmm. and and like i i i genuinely think that coming back to dming after i took that long break I was a better DM for it. Mm-hmm. One because I I then had a such a deeper appreciation for DMing and stuff like that. Like I found that my want to do it again was kind of what motivated me to get better at it. Yeah. Um, there there was th- this has to do with uh, you know writing a novel, but like I think the it, it's true for this as well. One of the most interesting pieces of advice I've heard about uh, being a writer. It's like, what, what, what's the best way to like be a writer? And someone said, quit. <laughs> then if you, yeah. then if you can't keep going. And so like, I, it, that's kind of what happened there was like, I quit being a DM. And then I got to the point where I needed to DM I couldn't not do it anymore. And so like I came back with this much bigger appreciation for it and this want to do it. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I mean, like, that's a great point because like if you are, if you claim to be the person that is the forever GM, but you claim, but you make that claim with a sense of actual sadness, you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the forever DM at our table. It's like, if you are seeking that burn, reaching that burnout point and, it's like when people are thinking, okay, when am I going to get back to this? And you're not excited about getting back to it. Talk with your group. Yeah. No, like I, I, I've seen that a lot. And, and like, we're like memes and stuff. It was like, oh, I'm the forever DM. It's like, well, that 
if you, you don't want to be, don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked with Eric, um, Eric Jordan, about how he became a DM, like this, the third game that he ever played mm-hmm. in D&D, and he's hardly ever been a player since. Yeah. And that was like when he was 12. <laughs> and so it's like some people really enjoy being a DM, and believe it or not, some people don't. <laughs> that is a huge thing. And so I think it's important to at least do a round table with your friends and your players to be like, hey, guys, listen, I know we need a DM, but for me, I'm just not having fun because yeah, I've said it before. Number one thing about D&D, you should have fun. Yes. And that includes the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. And you are a player. Yeah. Like if you're not having fun, everything seems to just be dragging down. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it starts weighing on you. Like, I remember before I took a break, it was like I was I was getting into that groove of just saying, okay, um, you're attacking him. Go ahead and roll your attack. All right, that hits. All right, you deal five damage to it, carrying on. And then yeah. the next person's turn. And I'm like, afterwards, I realized, wow, that was so... We could have just been writing a spreadsheet for all I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't DM like that. <laughs> and so it's like that that my my lack of creativity up to my my usual like rate of creativity, I guess you could say, was just super detrimental. It was just like super hurt by that burnout. And then when I got back, yeah. I was like, okay, even though he's only technically doing two damage, I described the hell of it. He like he goes underneath the legs and he brings out his knife and he dags he stabs it into the guy's ankle and he comes up on the other side. And it's like in reality the mini just moved to the other side of him and hit with his offhand. Mm-hmm. Still, <laughs> yeah, one is way more like exciting and enticing than the other. And pre burnout, like b- before I realized it, pre break, I'll say, I didn't realize that was happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like my players at the same time didn't realize it either because it was kind of a slow descent into that mode. It wasn't an immediate switch. And so it wasn't just me that was getting used to that and how things were going. It was also them. And when it it took until like, like I said, like I had that panic attack about it that I realized, oh, this is like something that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if you're a player and you're starting to notice your DM is doing things differently, talk with them, check in yeah. with them see if they're doing okay not just like you know physically but like hey how are things going like are you having fun like oh my god something that you can totally do for your dm ask them if they're having fun (laughs) because they constantly ask you guys like the players are you guys having fun like you guys enjoy that session (laughs) and it's like straight dopamine if everyone says yes but (laughs) oh yeah like hardly ever does the players ask the DM, if they had fun, and that's something that can really help the DM identify if they have burnout. Because the DM I just will- kind of like shrugs and says, I don't know, guys, I think I could have done that better. Or like, eh, I don't know, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be a I, great I do, way. I, I do want to say real quick that players can have burnout too. Just just oh, if yeah. you're listening to this and you're you're mainly a player, you players can 100% have burnout too. Where like, you know, get, just even being social can burn you out. I get that. Oh like, yeah. D- if I think the thing that I want to communicate here is that it is okay for anyone at the table to take a break. Hundred percent. It should be okay. 
It should be. It shouldn't be a well. You know, we said that we. You know, we we've got this campaign going. We can't just stop. And it's like, well, no. It, re- real life is a thing. Mm-hmm. Real mental health is a thing. And sometimes you just need to take a break. Yeah, it's okay. I have this open policy at my table where it's like if you feel like you're not having fun anymore doing this thing that we get together for the sole purpose of having fun let me know you can mm-hmm. i can put your character on pause we yeah. can mystical away your character and then when you come back they can mystical themselves in and it'll be like as if they never left yeah it'll be fine and i tell my my players that as often as i feel like they need to know especially if like someone's playing really out of character i'm like i I take them aside like personally and be like hey man you know are you i first i check in with them as a dm because i see it all the time and then like with my friend robert um especially when we started going through discord purely i'm like hey man usually your character is like super charismatic and uh you're the you're the captain of our ship and yet you haven't really done much in the game are you okay and it's like we've played with this character before we know he's super charismatic and he's like, I'm going to be straight with you. Uh, playing a social character like that charismatic over Discord was just not working with me. And I think I'm going to have to end up switching characters or doing something because I can't keep doing this. Otherwise, I'll just not have fun. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Um, and so <laughs> communication. <laughs> I've yeah. said it before. It's a huge proponent to helping not just yourself out, we- but your friends. We say read the table a lot, but also talk to the table. Not the not the table yeah. exactly, but you know. <laughs> talk to the players at your table. Table, how do you feel about me rolling metal D20s on you all the time? Dented? Okay. All right. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like players can 100% have burnout and figure out a way as both the other players and as a DM to offer that player a pausing moment. To offer them a break, to offer them a difference. Like, do they need a change? Um, Because a lot of times when it comes to player burnout, it's they're they're feeling forced that they have to stick in it. And I found that offering them just even saying like, you know, it's okay if you don't want to do this anymore. This is I I keep reminding my friends like we do this for fun, guys. If if you're not having fun, let me know. We can play around a Jackbox tonight. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get that damn game for those times. <laughs> yeah. It's really nice just because, like, that's what happened the you past... You still hang out with your friends. Yeah. This is what's happened the past couple of weeks. Like, especially yeah. now that we're all online and we're not, like, together, we can't just bust out a board game like usual. We, uh... Mm-hmm. One of us screen shares Jackbox and we all can play together perfect yeah or draw free when it, whatever happens like that we have marcos tends to have whatever game we need so <laughs> it works out for us but um yeah there's totally like just the beautiful thing about screen sharing is that you can still hang out with your friends and still play games yeah. without the uh at the, the end of the day pressure. that's what D is just with dice yeah you yeah. know that's that's all it is is like you just want to end up having fun with your friends and or with your players, if you're not exactly great friends with uh, the players, like as if it's just a put together D&D group, so to speak, like be honest with those guys, too. Like mm-hmm. just because you're not great friends doesn't mean that uh, you have to hold stuff in and that you have to push through and be there. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, any things you want to cap this off with before we move into our DM's Guild Spotlights? 
Not necessarily. I think I rambled on pretty good enough. <laughs> <laughs> they were good ramblings. They good. were very good ramblings. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to move over to our DMs Guild Spotlight, which this week is Neverland, the Impossible Island by Dana. I screw. I already forgot how to say the last name. Gata. Get Gata. I want to say. I, I'm not sure yeah, personally, so, but Diane, I'm sorry. I screwed up your last name. You're you're cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, this supplement is uh, about Neverland, the place of Peter Pan, Captain mm-hmm. Hook, Wendy Darling, all that fun stuff, and it is. Really cool. It is a supplement that that has this setting, characters, factions, uh, feats even, and then like stat blocks for all of them. Like I now have a stat block for Tinkerbell. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. <laughs> um, and it has a, it has an adventure for levels one to three in it. It's got a map. It's formatted really well. It looks like a re- it looks like a very well put together supplement, and it is only two dollars and sixty three cents right now. Apparently, it's normally three dollars and fifty cents, which I think is a little little too low for the, the amount of work that w- looks like it was put into this. Uh, but you should definitely go uh, grab a copy of this right now uh, during uh, the, the DM's Guild is doing a Christmas in July thing. Uh, so a lot of stuff is marked down 25%. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is this is a fantastic supplement. Uh, Neverland, what a place to play D&D. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've been looking at little previews of it and uh, it's like, I'm I'm doing I'm in the middle of doing an island hopping adventure and the concept of being able to insert Neverland into oh my there. God, you should put Neverland in there. Right? Like oh that, God, that 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 so that excites me. <laughs> yeah. That's that's I like that. The 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 other thing is like they, they there's a lot of really cool extra stuff in here like new factions and ways of looking at the way things are done on 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 Neverland, it 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 was it's a lot more than what I thought it was going to be, and I'm very happy for that. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll tweet out a link to this uh, and tag everything you need in it. Uh, but please go check it out. Uh, it is a fantastic supplement, and we think that you'll like it. Yeah. All right, moving on now to our second topic, which is media to inspire you. We had a you know pretty heavy first topic, and we thought we you know change things up. With a uh, you know a fun topic here where it's what do we look at or read or play or whatever that has inspired us in our games. You know, I, th- I even though they're totally like two opposite flavor of topics, I still think they're intertwined because really, yeah, busting yourself out of that burnout. This is a great way to get there. That's a really good point. Because yeah. if you start watching movies or if you start playing games and you start... The, the, one of the first reactions you have is, man, that character would be a bard. It's <laughs> like you're starting to get yourself back there. You're getting your creative juices flowing. You're being inspired. And like yeah. that that's that's one great way to help you get out of the burnout. And I think... So I, yeah, I, I still I, think they're connected. I see what you mean there. Because like I... like. Dark Souls 3 for me, you know this, we play this <laughs> yeah. together. That game pulled me out of a freaking deep depression. Mm-hmm. And I would be lying if I said I didn't take anything from that game into my D&D games. Not quite like in the grim, dark, you know, everything is terrible and wants to murder your face sort of way. <laughs> but in like the lore sort of way of how yeah. that game works with like hidden pieces of lore and like how to string things out and like leave breadcrumbs for mm-hmm. players to figure out and stuff like that. Um yeah, no, you're right. Like playing stuff or doing stuff that pulls you out of these things, a hundred percent can inspire you for your mm-hmm. games. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, like, look at me. I Dark Souls three. I literally have made an Abyss Watcher. <laughs> Paladin. That is true. That, <laughs> God, that character's so cool. Yeah, I, I love him. 
but yeah, like, h- how do we want to start this? Because I-, I have, like, several okay. media things that personally inspire me, but uh, h- how do we want to go about talking about this? Um, I think we just go back and forth with certain things that we've found that has inspired us. All right. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of a weird way to, it, I don't think we could quite do it as like how to let media inspire you. That's kind of your own thing. Yeah. Um, I think the best that we could do here is talk about things that have inspired us and that maybe listeners can go check out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, you know, maybe just ideas that we got popping for them. Yeah. I mean, like- so, so, Oh, I'll just say, like, if you're looking for how media can inspire you, I guess, like, the number one way is to boil the plot down as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'll bring that up when I'm talking about stuff that personally I've, like, taken from. But, yeah, like, like boil the plot down to just one sentence, and then you'll, you'll see how you can make an entire adventure out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, so like for me, most of the time, my inspiration doesn't come from uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, very few times it will, and it usually has to do with something to tie the character into the story that's currently going on. Because I I run the pre written ones, so like stories there. Yeah. Um, m- most of the time for me, it comes from ways of doing things either mechanically or uh. Like like with Dark Souls of spreading out information. Mm-hmm. So one of them that uh, very prominently pops into my head is actually Destiny. Um, I probably said it on here before. I am way too much of a fan of the game Destiny, which is currently Destiny 2. Um, I mean, and... you've taken a week off in September for how many years now? <laughs> Hush you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do that now since our boss also does that and he has seniority. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Dang it. Um, so, yeah, one of the things that I that I took away from Destiny into D&D was boss mechanics. Now, there is a big thing in the community of uh, boss mechanics and Destiny just go, shoot, shoot, stomp. Uh, but there's a lot of them that have these really fun, neat uh, mechanics to them where you can't do anything to the boss until you do the certain thing. Mm-hmm. So it made me look at boss fights in a different way from a bullet sponge that has a lot of hit points and deals damage all the time. Oh, yeah. That's just the normal thing. Uh, the first time I actually like really did this was actually the last time that we played Princes of the Apocalypse. There was a boss in there, yeah, and I had the idea that there were going to be these floating orbs of water that if he was near, it lashed to him and uh, gave him damage immunity. Yeah, dude, that that session happened, I don't even know how many years ago, but it's still very <laughs> memorable, fresh in my head with how different well, it might that also boss be because <laughs> we started at 12 p.m. and that boss fight started at 10 p.m. Maybe, <laughs> but... Like, I could still remember that boss fight. Like, that was a memorable boss fight because of the mechanic behind it. Mm. It was way you know different. Re- you know what's really funny? So, so I actually just realized this. So, uh, they, I made that boss fight where it's like, yeah, you had to go hit the orb to knock it out, keep him unlashed. He, uh, on his next turn, he was going to move over to another one to get the damage immunity. So, that was your time that you could damage him. And... I just realized that my favorite boss fight from Destiny 2, which came out after I did that, is that boss fight. 
Nocris <laughs> in Destiny 2, there are these crystals that uh, protect him, and you got to kill these guys, grab an orb, and chuck it at it. So there's a little more involved. you got to kill a guy to get a thing mm-hmm. and chuck it at the, the crystal. But it was essentially that same thing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that, that that's that was something that I've taken, and I I yeah. could I could do it more. Um, I don't do it as much as I would like, but uh, it is something that I do love doing, and I got the idea from playing Destiny. You know, on a complete opposite side of combat and being inspired by pieces, um, recently, uh, I. One of my player characters found his daughter. His daughter is eleven, and she is a smart girl, but she's also been through a kidnapping. She's also been through a lot of trauma. And I'm over here like, let's see, as a DM, I am this character's voice and her mind. And I haven't been 11 in a very long time. I don't hang out with 11 year olds. I'm not a babysitter or anything like that. And so at the same time I was going through this concept, I was also reading books. And in one of these books was... um this heroine was actually going to save her friend's kids. And I found a voice for my player's 11-year-old daughter through the books. Oh, yeah. No, that's a really good idea. And it's like I was able to finally just give a voice to that character because I had been reading a very similar type character. Oh, yeah. And no, that that I've totally done that where like yeah. I didn't know how to run a character and then thought of an of a pre-established character from another media mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, them. I'm just gonna play them. Yeah. Like I was able to finally establish like this is the age appropriate it would be for an eleven year old. Like yeah. she's not six, she's not eighteen, she's eleven. It's a very interesting mm-hmm. age. And so it's like I had no idea how to get there without that real life experience. And being able to pull from media, uh and a media that I was really engrossed in too, it was like it really helped tell that story for my players and they made they mentioned it too they're like Allie you like played Sarah really well that was awesome I'm like thanks and and so like and media can inspire you beyond just like what we talk about plot and combat it can totally Mm -hmm. inspire in social encounters too because like I I can't remember who or what it was but I remember someone being like oh I freaking loved that character and and me saying like oh did you realize it was just this from this property and they were and they were like oh shit it totally was I can't remember what it was (laughs) and it's bugging me now but yeah I've totally had that Mm -hmm. yeah and like (laughs) it can also help you directly from D&D to D&D stuff because I've oh yeah I've straight up had um, well, I'm going to have Jarlaxle in my game. That's not really Ooh. a spoiler because my players already know it's coming. It just hasn't happened yet. And my main inspiration for that, because I don't have time to read all the books, is Idle Champions. <laughs> <laughs> How he talks in that game, I love. And that's the mm-hmm. Jarlaxle I want to have portrayed in my game. Oh, yeah. No, the, <laughs> that is, that's something I think is totally... Uh, uh, a reasonable thing to do. I have said uh, blatantly before, I've straight up stolen shit from Chris Perkins. Oh, yeah. Like, I've just been like, that was really cool. Yoink. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, down to, like, some some of the ways that he's played characters or the way Jeremy Crawford, like, Mad Maggie is coming up in my game. Yeah. And the way Jeremy Crawford plays Mad Maggie, I'm going to do my best impression of Jeremy Crawford doing Mad, <laughs> Mad Maggie's Maggie. voice. <laughs> 
Oh, 100%. Like, if you love a podcast, like if you love Critical Role or if you love any other like real play games, and there's a reason why you love it, 100%, like apply that to your players and see how they take it because that will only help your game, really. Oh, Um, yeah. I I totally endorse. Steal steal from Matt Mercer into your (laughs) games. Like, obviously not in a way that you're making money off of, but like if you're just playing with your friends and you're the only one that likes Critical Role and you're playing the game, you can just drop shit in there mm-hmm. and like they don't know because they haven't seen the damn thing but like the, the, the they don't know be honest that you're stealing with stuff i guess to say but like yeah they won't know the twist or like what's coming up because they haven't watched it and you have that's what i did with the chris perkins stuff is i'm the only one that watched that stuff or, or listened to that stuff out of my group so i could totally do that and they didn't know what was coming mm-hmm like, I remember playing a Pokemon RPG, like, so many years ago. That's with, a sentence. Yeah, with Marcos as the DM. <laughs> and uh, essentially, this was when Black and White came out. And it was... Oh, my God. Was it that long ago? Yeah, I think it was Black and White 2 is when we were playing this game. Oh but Marcos and I were the only ones that, like, fully beat and loved Black and White. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got both versions of the game. That's how much we enjoyed that that um, generation. And I remember sitting there, and he, like, introduces N, and I'm all like, oh, oh, I know this kid. And, and Marcos just kind of looks at me, <laughs> finger to lips, kid. like, hang on, let me do the story. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I it's, like that. It's, it's fun also if you're not the only one, because you can see them in their eyes when they realize, like, I saw what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> like... Recently, our household um, has been re-watching all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, Jesus. All of them. Yeah, we just finished um, the best one. You're really, you're really <laughs> getting them into the, the whole idea of a, of a ship and islands. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and like the way, in the middle the best one? of the third one where they're going through the maelstrom oh. and just like on the swords and fighting each other. And we're yep. just chatting with each other over the movie. Like, what class do you think these guys are? <laughs> like... Because obviously he can't, he's not a rogue. This man is not a rogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, he's not. And it's like, well, he's not a bard. It's like, no, no, he's this. And that's such a fun thing to do because you also start applying D&D to the things that inspire you. <laughs> Barbos is totally a bard. Um, he is. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, like, that, that's that's totally true. Like, I if I was, well, actually, no. I can say this. I did run a pirate game at one point for Pathfinder, and I 100% took shit from freaking Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a fight that was on two boats that were circling each other. I, I took out the... The, the huge maelstrom, maelstrom yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I took that part and fused it with something that they already had in the Pathfinder world, and I just added dragons nice. uh, <laughs> so like but those two thoughts came about because of the media yeah i was like i loved the look of the third pirates movie with the two ships uh you know spiraling around each other and shooting and people oh, swimming yeah. back and forth and everything like that but i i loved the imagery of the maelstrom in a different way so i used it and pulled it over here mm-hmm. and like um, we were looking at it and like with Calypso and everything. And it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. No, she's just totally a God <laughs> like, yeah. in oh, yeah. this world. And it's like, Oh no. Yeah. That's, that's uh Umberly hundred percent. No, that can be applied to D and D. And then the other movies happen. Yeah. I, I mean like as a whole, our household is like, yeah, we could watch those. <laughs> don't, don't, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd uh, talk about watching those. If we were talking about getting uninspired for things. Yeah. Um, um, and so it's like, you can totally get just straight 
inspired from full on movies. Oh I, yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to think of like the the strange places that inspiration has come from. Like I I I know for me like one one of the annoying things uh, that my brain does when I watch something and I get really into it is I immediately start thinking of like, oh, how could I do a version of this? <laughs> and that yeah. and that comes out in so many different ways of doing that. But like, I know that like at one point I watched Back to the Future and was like, how could I do a time travel story in D anD D? And like that never came to you know flourishing, but like just having that thought exercises my brain in a way of like looking for inspiration in mm-hmm. places. So if you have a if you do find that you have a problem like getting inspired by things or that you're worried that you're just stealing things, one of first of all, like I said earlier, as long as you're not making money off it, you can steal it. It's fine. Yeah. Like just put it in your game. You know, it, it don't don't be like, "Oh yeah, I had this great idea." Like I'm I fully tell my players, I stole it from Chris Bergens. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like be honest about it. Don't don't be a jerk. But um but like even just having those thoughts um is an exercise in in eventual inspiration. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't let the thoughts happen, then they never they never will. Yeah. Like okay, here here's another one. Uh one of my other favorite uh, 80s movies is Groundhog Day. <laughs> what would Groundhog Day look like in D&D? Oh yeah. I mean like Play that out. 100% like Jaws. There's a powerful beast that's out destroying the town. Oh, but on yeah. top of that, the government is hiding the fact and covering it up. Dude, dude, I would do a Jaws game just for an excuse to play John Will- John Williams music at my table. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like movies like Ocean's Eleven, the complexity of... Done that one. Of, yeah, of a, like a... a, a God, why am I forgetting the word? Of breaking into a vault. And heist? Steal- yeah, heist. The complexity <laughs> of a heist. Thank you. You know, words are hard. Uh, words are hard. They suck. <laughs> like breaking into a high, like busting out a heist and the complexity behind it. Like we've done, um, I've done several of the the Hellbound heists now with my friends. Yeah. And there are so many steps to it. And it's like, oh man, this is like really a lot of fun. And so there's, there's, there's a ton of different things like um, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Like you're escaping a park of monsters gone wild. Like yeah. that can easily be applied. A menagerie. Yeah, like we straight up made a dungeon that could be a blueprint for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> we did do that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's um, other kinds of media. Like I already brought up books, but music can be super inspiring. Oh yeah. Um, I straight but- up took an entire plot, and it's like a major plot from a whole song. And it's like in mm-hmm. the woods somewhere by Hosier. And it's talking but, about someone running away from this beast that they have no idea is there. And it's like, oh, it's really terrifying. And I made that whole plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, before I, I uh, before I put, you know, words on screen, you know, to, to write and stuff, the way I used to write was I would listen to like movie soundtracks and make up my own scene for them. Yeah. And so that that's a fun exercise to do just, you know, for getting in. That that can be one a good exercise for just getting in, like, how to do combat detail and describe mm-hmm. it and stuff. But Yeah, um, yeah something the, that my, me and my friends do is that we've started making playlists. Uh, we've, we've been doing this since we started playing. Like, all of us have our own playlists for our characters. And if you're having oh, yeah. trouble finding a voice for your own character or really finding, like, who this character is, put a shuffle on music on, like, Pandora or whatever have you mm-hmm. and just, like, go for it because i 
as a DM, I've got a ton of songs in this large playlist where it's like three or four songs per player. Yeah. <laughs> and even for NPCs, I have songs too. And it's such fun. Like if you're getting in the mood for D&D, you just put on the playlist and you're like, oh yeah. And then it's like, it's like that thing that you do when you're just like sitting in the car and you're leaning against the car window and you're having that music <laughs> video playing in your head as you listen to a sad song. It's like that, but with D&D because you can imagine it way more vividly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick at the at, towards the end here, I do want to go back to what you're talking about boiling down the plot. Oh, yeah. Um, I did the uh, w- one of the fantasy novels that I worked on. Uh, I did this where I was like trying to figure I went back to square one. I'm like, okay, what do I like about fantasy stories? Mm -hmm. And so I took my favorite fantasy novels or movies or whatever, and I just boiled it down to a one or two sentence description. Lord of the Rings, uh, terrible magic item needs to get destroyed. Yep. Uh, Unlikely hero is the one that can do it. Like I just went through and boiled them down to a one or two sentence description to see what it was that I thought that they were about or, you know, really quickly. And then like, I might even put like little bullet points of like why I liked that. Yeah. Um, There's actually an article that Sly Flourish posted the other day where it's like 20 movie adventure seeds and it busts out 20 well-known movies that it can be boiled down to one movie, like one sentence. Oh yeah. The thing uncover enemies among us. Um, Kill Bill, hunt down a squad of master assassins. Princess Bride, save someone from a fixed marriage and bring them to their true love. It's like all these movies you can connect with on an emotional level if you've ever seen them. And you can 100% make an entire adventure out of it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they uh, doing that with the the hooks and the movie descriptions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that will one show you like what you see these properties as being but also why you like them and why you find them exciting and why your players might find things like that exciting if you're able to take it and move it over into that last thing i want to suggest uh is uh if you are on the dm side thinking about mechanically how things work like going back to what i was talking about with destiny like for the example with the groundhog's day like doing that in a game uh, you not only just think about like what the setting would be, what the repeating would be, what the day would be, but like what are the mechanics to it? Think about the in-game mechanics of okay, how do I reset them every day? Mm-hmm. How yeah. do I make sure that they are what what point do I have them at where this is what they are? Do I let them play out that night before to see where they're at in health and spell slots and all that stuff. And then that's where they repeat every day. Mm -hmm. Thinking about that stuff can be a fun exercise in game design. Yeah. And like, Uh, not just that though, too. It's like, you also have to consider the concept of like how to fix it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And once you have that idea of like how to stop it or how to fix it or how to do anything, like then that becomes a goal for your players. And so then you could start spreading out these pieces of information based off of that man now i'm thinking about see now i'm going down it where it's just like okay my golden pals game we only play for two hours Mm -hmm. we we play uh uh, from seven to nine that's it that's the cutoff because people got work and that's why we can't can't play (laughs) can't play so late and that's why we start so late um but it'd be a really crazy thing to do of a groundhog's day thing where every session is governed by the time we play yeah so 
in order for the, whenever we stop playing, that's when they reset. <laughs> That'd be really weird. Mm-hmm. Sorry, got one off on a tangent. There. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's that exact kind of thinking where it's like you get inspired by these movies and media that you love, and you just would, you just end up oh, making yeah. something out of it. I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to put on here at the end? Uh. No, I don't think so. I mean, like, just keep an open mind. Like, even if you're reading a romance novel, just like that can be a way that you can interpret two NPCs or a PC and an NPC. It's like any kind of media can help your storytelling. And if you're sitting over there just like, eh, romance novel, what would that have to do with it? You should go look up the RPG, Blue Rose. It is literally titled A a Romance RPG. Mm -hmm. And I want to play it so bad. (laughs) All right, we are going to move on to our listener questions. We got one from our good friend, Dusty, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm going to give a shout out for again. If you have not been listening to Dusty's podcast, Shouting in Place, please go listen to it. He's had some amazing guests, including the two of us. Yeah. Um, and they're, he's doing good work over there. Go support him. Yeah. He deserves it. And uh, they're, they're, they're doing good fundraisers over there, too, which you should take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Dusty sent in a question, which I had to clarify. Uh, <laughs> I, I text him, so I'm going to read him. I'm going to read off of his text here. Uh, if you could add something like luck from Monster of the Week to D and D, or uh, advantage and disadvantage from Five E to another game, what games or mechanics would you pick? Mm. I think this is a really good question because, yeah, with our seasons of games, we and the listeners got introduced to a whole lot more mechanics. Yeah. Um that are very different from uh from 5th edition and uh like for Dusty's example is that uh he's been really thinking about luck in 5th edition. So luck from uh monster of the week where like uh you can choose to make something a success but every time you do that you're whittling down how much luck you have and it's once a, you run out Yeah, it's a limited resource. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And granted, you know, there is the feat in 5th edition of luck. Mhm. But uh, you know, doing that as a whole mechanic in there that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Any of them pop out to you? Um, I've actually applied it to other RPGs that we've done in the past. Uh, not you and oh, me, yeah? but like other ones that I've done. Um, advantage. The concept of advantage and disadvantage is the easiest and like yes. fastest way to introduce the concept of you're better at this than the game would suggest. So just go ahead and roll it twice and take the better result. If there's one thing that I would desperately add to pathfinder second edition it would be that actually for the most part any game really that has like a d20 in it advantage and disadvantage are probably the most simplistic and brilliant mechanic Mm -hmm. i found because it still leaves it up to luck but your odds are doubled (laughs) you can still roll two ones i've done it yeah on advantage oh yeah it hurt (laughs) and then you can roll a four and then you roll that advantage and all of a sudden you roll a 16 yeah. And it's it's such or a Or even better the ones where thing. you roll a 16 and then you roll a 20. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we'll just roll the advantage to see if you do crit. And then you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't even tell you how many times that rogue has done that. But um, I, I really like, and I've done it before actually with a game that you are in, Sanity from Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, um, Sanity we, is a we fun had a, one. Yeah. We had uh, a game way back during the creation of Skyreach. Um, that you guys basically ended up in a Cthulhu world. Mm-hmm. Like there were Cthulhu monsters everywhere. It was a Halloween session, so I wanted to be creepy. Uh, not in that way. <laughs> that was a weird sentence. Um, 
but I, I I had sanity as an attribute. So I had all of you roll a new stat mm-hmm. for sanity. And then every time you guys saw something fucked up, I had you make a sanity roll. And if you failed, then it lowered your score. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is last night during the game when I had described the table full of screaming food, uh, one of my players was just like, um, do we need to take some sanity damage for this? <laughs> and I was just like, you know, you would be if this was called Cthulhu. You'd be taking at least a D10 of sanity damage. And like you could um, totally apply that concept into D&D directly without looking at the alternate like sanity rules. Because that's actually a yeah. thing in the DMG. It is. And um, you could easily just like say, yeah, because mental damage is a thing in D anD D, and you can be like, "Yeah, you're gonna, all of you are gonna be taking a wisdom save," and it's like, "Well, yeah. what does this mean?" It's like, okay, if you fail, you're taking like a D six of mental damage. You're just you physically cannot handle this. The stress of it is that much on you. Yeah, and um, it's it's a beautiful thing, like the the concept of the sanity score in Cthulhu, and the, the concept that it's a oh, limited yeah. resource. I think yeah, it's hard that you roll to represent. Against. See, yeah. and see that that's that's really the thing for me is the the fact that you're rolling against your sanity is something that I feel like would be difficult to do in D&D. Like yeah. it would almost be the opposite where it's like, okay, you're going to make a sanity check but you want it to be low because if you roll lower uh equal to or higher than your score, then you lose like that could be the mechanic for it, but it's, it would be a little bit hard to do, but I'd love to try and do it. But what I, what I want to say is another game that I, I love the mechanics of and would, and I, I subtly brought stuff over from it is the fantasy flight star Wars game. Oh yeah. The, the dice mechanics in there are batshit insane and I love them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I'm a little surprised that's not my main RPG system because of how much I love it. But I think it's a little overcomplicated to explain. But the thing that I, the the thing that I, I, I took from it that I love is the degrees of success and failure. Mm -hmm. The fact that a success can still have something bad happen. A failure can still have something good happen. Yeah, like the the description they give in the the first Edge of the Empire book is you succeed with uh, disadvantage would be, uh, or or you fail with advantage. That was the example. You miss the stormtrooper, but your blaster bolt flies past him and it hits the control pad for the the door and it shuts the door, closing off the way to the rest of the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. You miss the dude. You did. You failed the thing you wanted to try, but something good came out of it. And so I've tried to incorporate that in there. Where like. If I set a DC in my head and the players just b- barely don't hit it, it's or they or they or go fail. so far above it, yeah, I I do something good or greater for it. Yeah, yeah, I find myself because of games like Star Wars where I tend to have degrees of success. I don't just have a pass or fail perception check. It's mm-hmm. like okay, uh, easy. They're gonna notice this. Like medium DC, they're gonna notice this. Hard DC, yeah. they're gonna see this. And so that way it's like, well, I got a, I got a 12 on my perception. I'm not going to be like, you don't notice anything. I'm going to tell them what they notice. <laughs> That's true. It That's, might that, not I... be the guy hiding in the bushes, but they will notice a trail of leaves leading into the into the bushes. I like that. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that because that, that makes total sense as soon as you say that. Now I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's because D&D kind of like makes you think that the DC should be a static one number. Yes. Which granted... Yeah, that's kind of how the game works, but like from playing these other RPGs, I found that having degrees of success, especially in skill checks more so than anything else, is uh, more fun. 
That it. That's true. Mm-hmm. That that's the, those are really the only mechanics I can think of right now at the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, I I've read so many freaking RPG books now. <laughs> they all just kind of like I bought Zweihander Player <laughs> Handbook because I got it like on the cheap, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just gonna read it. I'm never gonna play this. <laughs> um, I will say, like, I personally struggle with fate. I don't know why I do. It's something about how, like, I know we were just literally talking about degrees of success, but the way their degrees of success system is set up, my mind can't wrap around it. And so... Yeah, I get that. Uh, Did you watch the tabletop episode that they did with it? No, I I, I never got the chance to. So I highly recommend anyone that is interested in the RPG fate, go check out the the Will Wheaton's tabletop episode where they played it. It had like Felicia Day, uh, a bunch of really good people on it. Mm -hmm. And that was the first... I had been reading fate for at least three years before that. And that was the first time I went, oh, I get it. I get it now. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 it is a very different system. And I there's things about it that I'd love to try to integrate into D&D, but it would be, it is one of those very abstract concepts that it's hard to convey to players, especially right now online. Yeah. I mean, like, that's, I, I had such a trouble with that. So I actually did the vice versa. I incorporated D&D into Fate. So essentially, I ran a D&D game. It was just me and my boyfriend. We were overseas on traveling. And all I brought was fate dice, even though I don't like playing fate. <laughs> and we literally made an entire D&D system using the fate dice. It was just oh, yeah. like three ability skills. And like, and then you had your dice, which are just plus, minus, and blank. And it's like, all right, well, there you go. So I essentially set a DC in my head that I could wrap around like either being one plus or two plus or zero plus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, then it was easier for me to wrap around that dice using the D&D concept of DCs yeah. versus Fate's concept of DCs. And so it was like, okay, I can actually, I can I can do this with D&D in my head. Yeah. Now, there, there's, there, that, there's a lot of good systems out there that you could definitely take stuff from to put into a game. I don't know if I would do it for like a, a long running thing. Like mm-hmm. I think Sanity worked out really well for that one session. I don't know if it's something that I would keep continuously. If I was running a D&D game that was meant to be horror, oh, I'd 100% do it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like there is, of course, like the new uh, campaign that's coming out soon. They it's going to be essentially a horror game, and so I think they actually will have some mechanics put in there where they're like point out saying, "Hey, you know, you guys can use this." And so Mm. I'm I'm interested to see if they're going to incorporate that kind of stuff into it. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you got got any other ones that pop into your head? Um, No, no, I think that's yeah, pretty much. Advantage. I would love advantage and disadvantage yeah. in all games. Just put advantage in everything. In everything. Just do it. <laughs> all right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, the best way to support it, uh, well, support the show, is by leaving a review on your the podcast service of your choice. Uh, they really do help us out. You can go in there, you know, put a little five star review. That'd be really cool. You can type a little thing. That'd be nice. Don't be a mm-hmm. jerk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to keep up on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class and on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. You can send in your questions, topic suggestions, advice, or anything else you would want to maybe talk to us about or have us talk about on the show to difficultyclass at gmail.com, and we will talk about it on an upcoming episode. So until next week, have a good game.